Women Taking the Lead, episode 95. I'm just a firm believer that if you're going to show up in any kind of leadership role, and we speak broadly of leadership, but that can just mean being a leader in your personal relationships, being a leader as a mother, uh, the household of your family, you really need to get right with yourself first. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to get the solutions to your top five leadership challenges. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Lori Heisler, who believes that developing people's true potential is the single most important job of any leader. After serving 14 years in education, she now helps entrepreneurs and new leaders build their leadership capacity so they can maximize their potential, performance, and impact. Lori has worked with top online entrepreneurs, local small business owners, and highly successful professionals to provide business strategies, personal development, and leadership coaching. Her mission is to change the world through leadership and influence. Lori, you are a woman after my own heart. (laughs) It is so good to have you here. And that's just a little intro for you. So just tell us a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings. Sure. Well, thanks, Jody, for having me. I couldn't be more excited to be on your podcast because I know we share that same passion. So it's a privilege to be with you today. Um, Let's see, my beginnings, I would say that I actually came from a single family home. My mom um, was a single mom most of my time growing up. She um, worked very hard. She was a bus driver. She drove city bus for a living. And the one thing that she instilled in and all of us, I have an older sister and younger brother, is that school comes first and that she believed that we could do well in school. And so the expectation was that we were to have our homework done and get good grades, whether she was home from work or not, because she did work late nights. So I would say that's probably the one thing I most appreciate about her. Um, She herself only had a 10th grade education. So it was great to see that she wanted more for us. And let's see. So I actually went on to become the first in my family to graduate high school. And I went on and got um, a bachelor's in elementary education. And then many years later, (laughs) in 2012, I received my master's in educational leadership um, here out here in Denver at the University of Denver. And I'm proud to say that my niece um, was the next person in our family to graduate high school and also get her four-year degree. So she followed in those footsteps and she is on her way to becoming a nurse. So that makes me super proud. Um, But yeah, so one of the things I struggled with growing up and even now at the age of 40 often is that I do come from a family that wasn't necessarily very well educated. And that has definitely instilled some insecurities that I have had to deal with and overcome. That's huge, Lori, that that just jumped out at me. And man, Boy, you know, given that, it's amazing. It's not easy to be the first, mm-hmm. you know, in the family because you're forging uncharted territory and probably didn't have tons of people around you who are able to say, oh, here's what you want to do and this is what you want to do next and this is what you need oh. to think about and plan <laughs> for. It was really just like, hey, we believe in you and we support you, you know, go, yes. go ahead and do it. Yeah. Oh, you which couldn't is really- be more right. 
um, I really, that's really, <laughs> I love that you said that because it wasn't so much in high school, although I would say navigating the whole college application scholarship process was definitely a place where I could have used that guidance. But since I've, you know, in my adult life, there have been many times where I, I've really needed that guidance or wanted that guidance and, and it's been difficult to know where to turn for it. Yeah, I know. And in my own family, my mom um, was on the show for the Mother's Day in 2015. Mm -hmm. And she talked about how she went on to get her college education because she wanted us to go to college. And she knew that she needed to set the example that that this this is what you can do. Absolutely. Um, Because it makes a difference. Like if your parents have done it, then it's almost a no brainer. If I want to do it, I can do it. But if your parents haven't done it before or family members haven't done it before, then your thoughts go towards, can I do it? Mm -hmm. Will I be the first one? There's a little uncertainty going forward. Yeah. You know, I, I would say that it wasn't for me when they, when everyone was so supportive and made a big deal of my high school graduation. Um, for me, I couldn't really understand it <laughs> because I, and this is where I give tribute to my mom because she, I mean, we originally had started off school in the inner city, you know, urban schools, which I'm not. I mean, I've taught in inner city urban schools now, and I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying anything ill towards them. But at the time, I don't know that I would have had the same results had she not um, had the fruition to be able to get us into a very affluent college bound school because I was very influenced by my peers, um, probably more so than my family being proud of me was I was around mm-hmm. people who were going to college. That's just what you were doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that was the culture. And thankfully, I had the intellect and the drive um, and the want for that and then just followed suit. But when I graduated, I was like, okay, it's not really a big deal. This is kind of what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. all of my friends are doing this. I don't get the big deal. And it really underscores the importance of who you surround yourself by. Jim Rohn has that great quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So for you being in that culture, it was a no brainer. But had you grown up in a different environment, if your mom had not gotten you into that school, it could have played out differently. Absolutely, for sure. I think the other challenge for me and my adult life that I never actually really anticipated is um, you, you definitely have, I definitely have people in my family who are extremely proud of me. They'll never take that away. They're super proud, but also at times I feel like my education has isolated me or has, has caused some separation. And I think it's because, um, there are some insecurities in all of us and including with my own family, that insecurity of, Oh, look at her. She went to college. So now she can't, I don't know if it's that, they feel that I can't relate or that they think that I'm smarter than they are, which is so untrue. Um, If they knew how insecure I could be with my intellect, sometimes I think that they would be humbled by that as well. But at at times, the same people who can support you and encourage you can also, um, I don't know, there can also be a bit of a separation, which therein lies the challenge, like we talked about. It's who do you go to when you need support or or when you need to navigate your next steps, especially in the world of leadership? Um, if you don't have that support, that's that can be a challenge. But I'm sure I'm not the only one that faces that. 
No. And I think it underscores a point that, you know, just because I have a lot of people who feel um, less than or they play small because they don't have the degree or the certification or the letters and, you know, that piece of paper that says, yes, you are worthy and you can talk like an expert when the reality is if they took that degree program or certification, it would be a no brainer for them because they already have everything. Right. The the capabilities and the experience and the knowledge to complete it with ease. And there are so many resources online that these days, a lot of times you can get the same information that's being taught (laughs) in schools on the Internet (laughs) and in groups and just by connecting people who are also interested in the same topics. So, oh, Lori, we can can go for hours on and on. I know. I know. So (laughs) I'm going to move on, but we'll have to chat more. So where I want to take you to next. Next is because clearly you've gained confidence, right? You're surround, you've done things, and you've surrounded yourself by people who are playing a big game, just like you are. So there's confidence there, and that. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and undervalued what you were capable of. Tell us that story and the lessons you've learned. Well, there are obviously many stories. I, I would say the one thing that the one area in my life where I have played small uh, too many times are in my relationships. Um, And just staying in relationships too long, staying in relationships that are unhealthy or um, that just weren't right for me and not being able to recognize it um, until after I stepped out of that relationship. And I think the whole lesson there to learn is that idea that in order to have any kind of healthy relationship, be it with your family, your spouse, your partner, your friends, is you need to make sure that you have um, strengthened your relationship with yourself first before you can really show up and know what's healthy for you. And what's the what's the story behind that, Lori? What's the story behind that? Um, (laughs) Goodness, there's this is a tough one. I know, even just one, because like you said, there are so many stories, but give us one so that people really, because like when we talk philosophically, sometimes the message goes over everyone's head, but a story we connect with. Sure. I guess um, the first story for me would be right Right during college, I the, the first real boyfriend that I had was when I was 20 years old, right before I turned 21. And he definitely was not the right person. Um, and, you know, now I can look back and laugh. And I just had a good laugh with my girlfriend at home. And we were thinking, what was I thinking? And and thankfully, he actually, um, after we dated for a year, he was unfaithful to me. And I walked in on him and his ex-girlfriend, which was very, very painful. Um, but the idea that, um, I didn't, I was in this relationship and could not even recognize that this person and I had nothing in common. I wasn't even physically attracted to this person and I wasn't able to see why I was in that relationship until I got out of it. And thankfully, right. I wasn't thankful at the time, but thankfully, um, that did happen because I was able to move on and recognize how I showed up in that relationship and why that was the type of person that I attracted. Yeah. And what were, what were some of those reasons? Cause I don't think you're alone. Even in a relationship, it could be, it could be a job or a situation or a commitment we've made where, you know, 
all the signs are there that this is this isn't really for me, but we stay in it until something happens. Then we look back and go, oh, there were all these signs. What were the signs for for you? Well, I think that idea, just that idea that our culture sends us, right, that we're not supposed to be alone, that we're supposed to be with someone and we should have a partner. And if we don't, then there must be something wrong with us, um, for sure, because I didn't have a lot of, of boyfriends in, in high school or college. That was my first and only boyfriend in college. And it was just this idea of, no, I need to be with someone. And mm-hmm. I think, too, stemming from my childhood, because I did come from, you know, a childhood with a single mom, was just wanting that that male attention to, to validate myself. Um, so being able to recognize that um, was huge. And then I think the biggest learning lesson that I learned was, and I'm thankful for this, is that time really does heal because I remember that was a pretty devastating time for me. And I was like, I'm never going to get over this. Oh my gosh, my emotions are so strong. And lo and behold, one day I woke up and I passed this park that we used to go to that every time I had passed it, I'd always thought of us. And then one day I realized, huh, I just passed that park and I didn't even think about it anymore because I was, I was over it because time definitely heals your wounds. Mm, that's huge. Thank you, Lori, for, for that. Cause I think a lot of people can relate to, am I doing this because I'm really, you know, compelled internally to do this? Is this something I want or is this something I'm doing? Cause I should. And I think a lot of us are caught up in doing things that we feel like we should be doing because that's what the culture or society or, you know, our network expects of us right or it's or it's what we think we need mm-hmm. and we're way off base <laughs> yes yes <laughs> that's a good one well that that's a great segue into the next thing I, I want to ask you which is a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call right that I'm sure we all sure. have many of these so I'd love to hear another one take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success sure so this one is a, a is a big one I'd have to say so in my 14 years of education the first 10 years that I was a teacher I would say that I had pretty incredible success um, my confidence was definitely boosted I had great reviews and and I wasn't just in one school there were I had moved state to state so I had experienced many districts and I was always getting the same encouraging feedback, um, not just from fellow teachers and my boss, but also from children and families. Well, then the last four years, things started to go a little haywire, up and down, up and down. And I was really lacking that mentorship um, that I so willingly provided to children and families and other fellow teachers. And so... I definitely had experienced some really frustrating moments with different um, principals and different leadership. And finally, um, my last two years in education, I was an assistant principal. And my first year as assistant principal, about halfway into it, I was super frustrated with my boss because I did not feel like I was getting a mentorship that I deserved and that I needed to develop and grow. And I hired a life coach <laughs> and her name's Stacy. And I called her up because I was really willing, wanting to work through this breakthrough of why I was unhappy in my job. And as much as I wanted to complain about my boss, she stopped me and she said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're not even going to go there. The question is, what is allowing you to show up and be treated the way you're being treated? 
And of course, there were a lot of tears and a gasp. Oh, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that was a profound moment for me because she was 100% correct. Um, and I think that it stemmed from some of the other hurtful experiences that I had had prior to that. And this idea that if they're, if this person is my boss, then they must know better or I must not be doing something right. And that's why they're acting the way that they're acting. And mm-hmm. That's simply, I'm here to tell everyone, do not believe that. That is not true. Just because you have the title of leader does not make you a great leader. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And sometimes we put too much pressure on leaders. You know, I I come across some people, it's, it's almost as if they expect that because somebody's the boss or the leader or has more authority, that they also have ESP (laughs) and they can pick up on things, right? And, and you know, the person I'm talking to is not communicating what it is that's making them upset, but they they feel like the other person should know what that there's something wrong. And it's it's interesting. And I loved how you're saying that, you know, like, don't assume, mm-hmm. right, that they, they're all knowing and all powerful because they they have these roles. And I'm sure you, you come across this a lot with your clients and, and what you're teaching in leadership is there's also this thing called leading up. Oh, yes, we call it, man, I called it managing up. Yes. 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 That was a big epiphany for me, actually. Um, I remember because like we talked about earlier, I didn't have that guidance. I, I didn't I didn't know how to navigate this system of moving up in your career and and how to navigate a, a conversation with my boss or that I even had to know how to manage that. And so when I was first, right, when I was first exposed to this idea of leading up or managing up, I remember my reaction was, wait, you want me to do what? <laughs> you, <laughs> wait, now I have to manage my boss? Shouldn't she or shouldn't he know know how to do that for me. And now actually, because of that moment, I do workshops on how to lead difficult conversations and how to manage up because it was so eye opening for me that it was, it was knowledge that I wish I had had a long time ago. It's a game changer. It is a game changer for sure. (laughs) And it and it's empowering, and it's empowering. too, yeah. right? As much as it feels like there's responsibility in it when you realize like, oh, I have some say and I can have influence on people higher than me. Oh, mm-hmm. and you look at your career and your job in a completely different way and you see what's possible when you're mm-hmm. able to do that. So I love that you're teaching other people those skills as well, because I think that's yeah. going to make a big difference. Well, in order to be a leader, you need to advocate for yourself as well. And you need to know how to do that with other people and how to um, listen to other people and how to advocate so that you can also focus on the results that you want. Because not everyone's going to be that great mentor that you that you want them to be, unfortunately. Right. They're not always going to be there. And sometimes you have to kind of bridge the gap in between. Mm-hmm great mentors. Well, that's a great segue into my next question, Lori, because, you know, you teach leadership. So I'm sure you've come across many different leadership styles and you you get that they all work, right? Like when people are being authentic to themselves, that one leader doesn't look the same as the other, but that's actually a good thing. So Lori, how would you describe your leadership style? I would say my leadership style first and foremost starts with focusing on building relationships. And that means listening a lot more, which was something I've had to learn how to do. Um, But also, I'm not one to really settle for the status quo. And so my expectations are very clear. 
um, while creating a very supportive and encouraging positive environment, because I believe that's where people thrive, um, not being condescending or critical, of course, offering the critical feedback when they need it, but really coming from a place of encouragement, but also giving it to them straight. So I work with a lot of women in particularly that when they speak about what they want for themselves, they're not very aware of their language that they're using. And so I will just very boldly call them out <laughs> and rephrase it for them, really to empower them and get them to recognize that it, there's power behind their words and their language. And just changing that will then can 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 really change their future. And I like how you make that distinction, because I think that's an area where a lot of people bump up against. They they get to a place where they're able to speak up more and be more direct, but they're like if they're experiencing negative emotions that seeps into their communication. So they may come across condescending or the other person may feel that they're putting them down, but being able to speak directly but in an encouraging and supportive way, mm -hmm. that communication is powerful. Yeah, I think it comes from this place of putting myself in their shoes because I've definitely been in the position where I haven't felt supported or I haven't felt valued or I haven't felt heard. And I, I do believe that for every behavior that we don't see from someone, it's either because it was never taught to them or never expected. Um, and, and you kind of have to be able to put yourself in that other person's shoes so that they, um, you, you can kind of get to figure out how they're thinking and then also approach it in a way where they can really hear what they need to hear for themselves. They, they won't hear it if it's, if it's critical or I can't believe you did this or if it's condescending. Right. Right. <laughs> or you stop the conversation because you've given up hope for them. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I see that happen too, where people are like, I can't even believe that they act that way. That's common sense, blah, blah, blah. And what's happening is they're writing the person off. They're not even going to attempt to try to help them or work with them because they don't believe that the person is capable mm -hmm. of learning a different way. But by staying curious, what I'm hearing you say is by staying curious, by staying compassionate, by really wondering about, you know, what's driving that other person to speak this way or act this way, you can actually um, reach them in a way where maybe they could adapt their behavior uh, or their communication style. Oh, 100%. I talk a lot about the best... Um, the best leadership development that you can do for yourself is personal development. Because by asking those questions, nine times out of 10, you're going to unveil that whatever it was that was keeping them stuck in their mindset was personal from a personal mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. All right, Lori, what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us? Sure. Well, actually, I just am in the middle of launching our 14 day challenge. I have it up on the website and I'm working on automatizing it. So it's a 14 day challenge with 14 micro actions that leaders can take to improve their impact. And I'm super excited about that. Oh, <laughs> and are we going to have a link to that yes. for the show notes? Yes, you will. Okay. I'll make sure that you get it. Awesome. Thank you. And, you know, obviously the people who are listening <laughs> to this podcast are interested in leadership and developing their leadership. So I encourage everyone, I'm going to sign up for it because I'm, I'm, awesome. you know, <laughs> 14 days of micro actions, like that's not a lot. 
right? And <laughs> no. if it helps even, and what I, what I found with leadership too, is like, if you can move the needle even a little bit, there's a ripple effect, mm-hmm. you know? So it's definitely worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Lori, I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that you have that helps to make you a better leader? Uh, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, which is surrounding surrounding myself with like-minded people every day, whether it's online, because I do have a social network online, or whether it's in person. And, you know, Lori, this is this is kind of going off. I didn't warn you about this question, but I'm curious because, you know, I'm, I know there are people out there who are like, I don't have that group of people around me who are like minded and, you know, are up to what I'm up to or see the world the way I see the world. What would you suggest to that person um, to start finding those people and, and bringing them into your network? Absolutely. I was actually lacking that here as well, because having been a teacher, I had never been an entrepreneur or knew anything about the online world. And what I did actually was I started my own meetup. So all you have to do is go on to meetup.com and look for groups that you're interested in. I know here in Denver, it's a huge startup and entrepreneurial community. So it wasn't too hard to find like-minded women and like what like-minded leaders. Um, but also even finding people who might enjoy the same activities that you do. So you can start making those connections. But I actually have two meetups here in Denver myself. One is a, a woman's master mind for business building. And another one is called the Leadership Alliance, um, where I can surround myself with leaders who are perhaps more, both less experienced and more experienced than me so that I have something Mm. to offer and contribute, but also so that I can learn and grow. That's awesome. And Lori, what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Well, this actually is going to be a little um, probably different than books most of your guests recommend, but I actually would recommend a book called May Cause Miracles by the author Gabrielle Bernstein. She has become a favorite of mine. And the reason I recommend that is because it's basically 40 days of personal development. And again, I am just a firm believer that if you're going to show up in any kind of leadership role, and we speak broadly of leadership, but that can just mean being a leader in your personal relationships, being a leader as a mother, uh, the household of your family, you really need to get right with yourself first. And the book May Cause Miracles or anything by Gabby Bernstein scene um, is just very spiritual and very empowering. Love it. And what advice would you give your younger self? Well, it goes back to college. Um, I would do a whole lot of research on scholarships. I would be very choosy and careful about the money that I invest in college. Because while I'm very proud of my formal education, the amount of debt (laughs) that comes with that formal education is something that I definitely think, especially in the year 2016, can be avoided. So it would be to make decisions wisely and really arm yourself with an education on how you're going to finance any kind of education you decide to take on. Mm. And that's really great advice to take into the entrepreneurial world too, because that's something I talk a lot with my entrepreneurial clients as well is be careful what you spend your money on. Sure. Make sure you're getting the ROI. Make sure you can pay this back. How is it getting financed? How will you Mm -hmm. recoup it? You know, that sort of thing. So, yes, that's a great thing to start when you're in high school to start thinking about that and take it with you. And I and I think, too, that awareness now that 
if you decide to go to college, which I would not discourage anyone not to do, but if you decide to go to college or take on formal education, you also need to remember that there's a good chance you're going to change careers in your life. I think the average career change now is three times. So make sure that you are investing in yourself wisely. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And Lori, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Yeah. Well, we're actually recording this on Martin Luther King's birthday, and he is definitely one of the leaders that I admire more than anyone. And one of the things that he said is that our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. And I think like you, Jody, the one thing that I just want for every person is to feel empowered and to have that voice um, and the, the ability to self-express, because that's how things in our world change. Amen. <laughs> and Lori, lastly, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Sure. Well, you can. they can go on and find me at theleadershipinfluence.com or they can find me on social media. Just other, my personal page is Lori Heisler or also The Leadership Influence on Facebook. And for those listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. Lori, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We're all better for having met you. Thank you, Jody. It's been fun. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.